Welcome to the Highland Southern Baptist Podcast. Each week, Keith Perrin will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message. If you have a Bible, you can read along with us. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ from Hillsboro, Missouri to the rest of the world. Now, here's Pastor Keith. Gospel according to John chapter 17. I'm going to do, this started off as me actually preparing a sermon for uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day. And it kind of turned into, you know, this is going to be a whole lot bigger than anything that I can put in one sermon. Uh, I will do my best keep to get you out of here on time today. Um, I know that we, I stood up here and stood on my soapbox for quite some time. Um, but I promise I'll get you the meat of this message in the amount of time that I have. Um, this has turned into at least a three-sermon series. Instead of it being just a Mother's Day, Father's Day, it has now grown into a three-sermon series on family. In the weeks to come, I'm going to bring you some statistics. As I looked these statistics up, I was shocked. We're talking about the number of students in the world today, the number of kids in the world today that are growing up without fathers, the number of kids that are growing up in the world today without a father or a mother, the number of students that are in foster care, the number of the students that are adopted out of foster care because their parents never do get their get themselves straight, um, the effect that our culture is having on the family. Uh, what is a good father? What is a good mother? Um, we're in uh, we're in a span of time in our culture where good fathers and good mothers are a rarity. And although these messages will encompass some things that I've mentioned in sermons before. And you'll remember, hopefully, some of those things as I mentioned those things. Um, this is more directly tied to the impact of the culture on family and how the Word of God has the ability to prevent culture from destroying the family. Now, we have, as a culture, adopted cultural things that are anti-biblical just because of the sake that they are idealistic. They're young, they're young parents. And I'll tell you, as I've looked through this, I see a huge pattern. It's like you can see where this started, and then you can see it beginning to balloon. Um, one thing, and I'll mention this again in the weeks to come, one thing, we are now experiencing the culture and the world from students who are in high school, students who are college age, some of them who are freshly out of college, who are the generation of everybody got a trophy and the generation of timeout. How many of you that are in here got your backside whooped when you were got out of line when you were a kid? You look at the, you look at the, difference between a child that grows up because they got their backside tanned versus a child that grew up being set in time out, there is a huge difference. And we're seeing that effect now generationally backwards. By generationally backwards, I mean, have you heard how some of these little kids talk to their parents these days? How many of you like me would have been picking your lips up off the floor you talk to your mom and your dad that way. All of this is tied to one specific thing that, and I don't want to say we, because there's still a lot of 
good parents out there. There are still a lot of people, and I won't even throw this generation that I'm talking about, these that are freshly out of I'm not going to throw that whole generation under the bus either because there are pockets of those individuals who will still whip their kids' backsides when they step out of line, who will still slap them across the room if they say something smart to their mom. Um, but those are very far and few between. And as a culture, we've become very sensitive, and that's the proper word. We've become very overly sensitive to people's feelings. When schools stopped spanking kids because it squelched their creativity, it's rare anymore for a child to get spanked by their principal. It's rare for a child to get spanked by a superintendent. I, for one, was spanked by both. I had a teacher in seventh grade who would yank me out in the hallway and put a paddle across my backside. <laughs> and although I didn't care much for that at the time, being an adult now, I appreciated what that taught me. Even though it was a force taught, it taught me. I grew up as a kid being diabolical in my mind, where if I would do something that deserved a whipping, I would let my dad hit me once, and then I would drop to the ground and scream like a banshee, hoping that he would think that that was enough. And I think he caught on, because he'd grab me by my arm and hold my arm up, and I'd pick my feet up to drop to the ground, and I would just hang there while he continued to whip me with the belt. <laughs> I appreciated those things. But we're afraid that individuals are going to look at us and say, those things are abusive. When we take a clear work, a clear look at the Word of God in the way that we as individuals should be as a family, the divorce rate. Did you know that we are way beyond the point now where there are more divorces in a year in the United States than there are marriages? More divorces in a year in the U.S. than there are marriages. When I got married... If you made it to seven years, your chances of making it a lifetime were about 90%. I did say almost 30 years ago. <laughs> when I got married. <laughs> Today, you know what the average for a marriage is? 70% of marriages don't make it past two years. 70% of marriages in the United States don't make it past two years. Now, I'm, I'm going to preface this. Divorce happens. There are scripturally justifiable reasons for it. There are circumstances where people have gotten divorced. This is not a statement that's being made to condemn people who have gone through this. Never want to encourage anybody to look backwards. Because I've even spoken things like this at Bible studies and it would create an atmosphere of guilt with some people because they didn't raise their kids the way that they wished that they could have. Because they didn't have the biblical foundation at the time. They didn't have uh, what it is that they know that they have now. We see those individuals doing what is right and they're instilling the principles that they know from the scripture now into their grandchildren, which is just as important. Is anyone instilling it in their children? But folks, the fact is, most of the difficulties that we have in this country, and I mean most, they're not difficulties that are created by our government. 
They're not difficulties that are created by politics. They're not difficulties that are created by the economy. They're difficulties that are created within the family unit. The number of thugs, and I use that word very intently, thug has no color. The number of thugs walking the streets these days are immense. Every time my kids say they're going to downtown St. Louis, I shiver. People have no respect for authority because they had no authoritative figure in their life who showed them that there is a structure in life to authority. In many cases, even Christians don't understand the structure of authority that was given to us by God. There are Christians who claim to know Christ who run around and do what they want to with no second thought. So the downward slide that we see happening is going to happen because it has to happen. I've read the end of the book. But it doesn't happen to everyone. And it doesn't have to happen to everyone. And as long as Jesus Christ tarries, as long as he is holding out and not coming back for his church, we as Christians are responsible to be those individuals who are doing our best to help those people instill godly values into their own lives that they may extend those godly values to the lives of other people around them. Stand on another soapbox for a minute. Highland is dropping the ball in some areas. We're a great church. Family, family means a lot. We trust each other. We love each other. We love the lost. We love the people who come into the church. I'm not saying that Highland's a bad church. But I am saying that we're not doing family ministries. And that's a downfall. One of the things that became obvious to me through me beginning to research this stuff, the number of single mothers in our county. The opportunities that we're missing as a church by not trying to reach out to these people who have the biblical structure of a family missing a part of it. And we are responsible to reach out to these individuals. In this particular passage of Scripture, and we're going to just do a short piece of it today, in this particular passage of Scripture, um, the Gospel according to John chapter 17, we're going to start with verse 13. This is a passage of Scripture that Jesus was praying on the night that he was arrested. If you look at the timeline, um, when Jesus Christ was, he had the, the men that were with him, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, come and checked on him, they were sleeping, then he walked away and he was praying. This is the prayer that Jesus prayed on that night. In other words, he, he was getting ready to leave. He was getting ready to, he knew that the time had come for him to be the sacrifice. Once the sacrifice was made, that he would be leaving them. So this is his prayer to the Father concerning those individuals who were, who were his disciples. And I want you to pay close attention to this passage of Scripture as I kick off uh, this sermon series on, on the family. So the Gospel according to John, chapter 17, starting with verse 13. It says, But now I came to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy, uh, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. 
I have given them thy word, and the word has hated them, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. I may even get beyond those verses. This thing is chocked full of great information. Look back at 13. Now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. There is no greater feeling, and you know how I feel about feelings, but there is no greater feeling than to know that the lives that we live are as closely aligned to the lives that God intends us to live while we're here on this earth. With the understanding, why do we need joy? Because this world is full of everything opposite. It's full of suffering. It's full of shame. It's full of sin. It's full of pain. Everywhere that we go. But Jesus Christ's arrival on this earth and what the Father had, the responsibility the Father had given him to carry out, he carried out and he says, the purpose of him speaking the things that he spoke in the world was so that we may have his joy made complete. The next verse he says, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. This is a fact, folks, and there is no greater time in all of history to see the absolute truth in this statement. The world hates us because we take what God has given us in his word and we put it out as an expectation. We're going to see the application of this here in a little while. I want to tell you something, ladies. This culture is doing its best to steal your identity. This new culture is doing its best to steal your identity. One of the most popular things that's coming out of young people's mouths these days is that you can do everything a man can do. Is that biblical? It's not. God didn't create you, women, to do everything that a man can do. He created you to do everything that a man can't do. So when they say you can do everything that a man can do, they're robbing you of your identity. This culture on the other side is also saying to be a man is toxic. Toxic masculinity. And a lot of these single moms are are raising their sons up to be little girls. You weren't created to be a woman. You weren't created to do everything that a woman can do. You, like women, were created to do everything that a woman can't do. When God created Adam, and the Bible records for us that he made him to fall into a deep sleep, and he took one of his ribs, and from the image of God, therefore the image of man, he created woman. Before he did this, God, I'm going to give you a helpmate. Do you know what that literally means? 
min alone or incomplete. Men survive as long as they don't marry, as long as they don't get into relationships, they'll survive. Because the only one they're looking out for is themselves. Women have become sensitive, and I'm not throwing them all under the bus, but I'm talking about these younger ones. They have become sensitive to the fact that God created them different than God created man. Because as much of a mess that our culture has made by men not being in the family unit, it would be just as bad, if not worse, if women were the ones who were missing in the family unit. And we're seeing that some these days too. God gave us his word. And through him giving us his word, we now have a very clear blueprint and diagram of what the family unit is supposed to look like. So when you go out into the world and somebody says that you woman can do as can do anything that a man can do. And you say God didn't create me to do everything a man can do. Wait and see the hell they will unleash on that ideology. Men, the culture out there, they're going to tell you you need to be less of a man. Because you just being a man, you're intimidating. Men aren't perfect. There are some men who abuse their roles. The weeks to come, we're going to talk about the way that we discipline our children, the way that we discipline, the way that they were disciplined 20, 30 years ago, the way they're disciplined today, the problem with the way that they're disciplined today. I heard several very, very wise Christian men <clears throat> who instructed me as a young man who said, never spank your child when you're angry. Fact. Spank a child for discipline. But if you're ever going to spank your child, make sure that it's for discipline. If you're angry, remove yourself from the situation for five minutes, get yourself under control, and then go deliver the discipline. Because people say that spankings are abuse. The fact is, that's a lie. Spankings when you're angry very much can be abuse. Because we're spanking for the purpose of satisfying our emotional state instead of for the purpose of discipline. Fact. It's a fact. I can tell you that if I meet somebody on the street and I'm wound up, it's best for me to remove myself from that situation because I'm about to get abusive. To our spouses. How many of us men have said things to our spouses that we wished we hadn't? Because we're tough guys. Fact is, God created you to be a tough guy. But he didn't create us to be abusive. Is there such a thing as an emotional abuse? Yes. Do some people blow out of proportion what emotional abuse is? Yes. 
But the point is this. We shouldn't be listening to ourselves. We shouldn't be listening to other individuals or the culture when it comes to the way that we treat our wives and the way that wives treat their husbands. Do you know who gives some really good advice and in several different areas? God gives some really good advice on how spouses are to treat each other. The world hates us because we will define things as God defined them. Transgenderism. It's going to be involved in this discussion too over the next three weeks. The Bible records for us that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. For someone to buy into this transgender cultural movement is to say that God made a mistake. Anybody in here willing to say that God made a mistake when he created somebody? The culture is taking things that are known as gender dysphoria. Dysphoria. That's the same thing as one day if I wake up and decide that I'm a grizzly bear. I may believe it in my heart. That's what makes it dysphoria. But did you know you're not allowed to use that term in this culture anymore? Because that means that someone who thinks that they are the opposite gender is sick. Fact is, if you think you are anything other than what God created you to be, you're sick. And the church shouldn't be afraid to say it. So I give you this outline, a little bit of a preview of the outline on what's to come in the next few weeks. We're going to spend more time in this, in this particular passage of Scripture as we move forward. The gospel will be proclaimed in this, but I want you to know that a lot of the information you're going to get over the next few weeks, it will structurally lay out our culture today, where it came from, what happened to bring it where it's at today, and what we can expect to see in the future. How we as a church can continue to be loving, respectful, reaching people with the gospel, never wavering on what God says. And there is scripture that will back up 100% of everything that I've said and everything that I'll speak over the next three weeks. How many of you have little kids or grandkids? You at all concerned? It's going to get rougher, folks. And we have an opportunity in front of us now when we are right at the beginning of the storm. Because if you think it's bad, it just started. What we're seeing now out of our culture, it is just the tip of the iceberg of what's coming. And if we're going to stay relevant as a genuine church, 
a church that has been established by Jesus Christ, we have to know how to protect ourselves while at the same time not losing focus of the calling that God's called us to in this community. These are going to be aired on Facebook. And it is not going to be popular. I can tell you right now, sermons being prepared two weeks in advance, I can tell you right now that these are not going to be popular. Are you ready? Are you ready for the potential storm that could result from the things that I'm going to say from this pulpit in the next two or three weeks? Because I'm not saying it will. But I'm saying all that it takes is for one person to disagree with it. To share that video. To a group. And the storm's coming. Should we lose our peace? Our joy? Got to be careful not being be on Christ-like. We got to continue to accurately portray who Jesus Christ wants us to portray. And I have no doubt that there's a possibility that people will be saved. I have no doubt that there's a possibility that people can even be brought to this church because they'll find it as a place where individuals are still thinking and caring about the accuracy of Scripture. But I need you to pray with me over the next few weeks. Because in closing, I'll say this. And I'll be lying if I didn't tell you that this scared me. When this went from a Father's Day, Mother's Day message to a series on the family. And I started looking into all of the things that have happened over the last 50 years that has transitioned our culture to where it's headed. <clears throat> Just like he was sitting in that brown chair next to me. God said, you're about to dive headlong into one of the areas of life that Satan has owned and ruled for over 50 years. I have no doubt that I'm coming under attack for this. It's already started. And I have no doubt that some of that may bleed to you. So I'm asking you, pray, prepare, and let's see what God does with it. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, prayer requests, or just want to say hello, you can reach us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. We hope that this message was encouraging to all of our listeners. Have a blessed week.